Hello, and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I am delighted that you are with me today. The goal of our show is to uncover, dismantle, and to eradicate racism because we really do want to create a world where racial equity exists. As always, I want to invite us to get in to the show by focusing and centering ourselves to prepare ourselves for the dynamic conversation that we're going to have and to prepare ourselves for what we might hear and learn and to discover today. So if you would, I want to invite you to plant your feet solidly on the ground or the floor, depending on where you are. And I want to just invite you to connect with your body, your spirit, and your breathing Take a moment to center yourself and find your breath, breathing in and out at your natural rhythm to tune into that which gives you life. Take a moment to connect with your divine wisdom, your sacred intelligence which is defined as that sacred part of you that helps you to make intelligent choices. Choices that will not only manifest your greatness, but the greatness of others. Breathe in and out. And as you breathe in and out, remind yourself that you are love and you are loved. Breathe in and out the knowledge that you are a part of a shared humanity and you carry within you the power to heal. You carry within you the power to be a part of the changing the status quo. Breathe in and out just acknowledging your power. And acknowledging that the power of one contributes to the power of community. Now take a deep breath in, sigh it out, and let's begin. We are in the throes of celebrating Juneteenth. And what is Juneteenth? Juneteenth is about the fact that the Emancipation Proclamation was issued by President Abraham Lincoln on January 1st, 1863, but the news did not reach the Union Army and enslaved people in Gaveston, Texas until 1865, two years later. So freed Black men and women with the assistance from the Texas Freedmen's Bureau established Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, and it's now known as Juneteenth. Why? Because it's from the month of June, and it took place on the 19th of June in 1866 to celebrate the freedom of Black people. In 2020, June of 2020, just two days before Juneteenth was to occur, President Biden signed in uh, into uh, Congress, well, Congress passed, let me be articulate here, Congress passed the Juneteenth National Independence Day, and President Biden signed it two days uh, before Juneteenth. But here's the thing that I want to invite you to consider. While you're celebrating Juneteenth, what is Juneteenth really about? For me to celebrate Juneteenth is to become aware, to gain knowledge about the things that bound us and that keep us in a state of racial inequities. To celebrate Juneteenth is to become aware of the ways systemic racism permeates society. And once we are aware to do something about the destructive practices that, self, that separate us, to celebrate Juneteenth is to become aware of why 
there is mass incarceration for black and brown people. Why the laws around drug usage, dis distribution, and treatment for that matter are different for black and brown communities. To become aware of why the rules are different for Ukrainian refugees than it is for brown immigrants fleeing their country from drug cartels who declare war on their citizens. To become aware would mean we would look at why there are significant health, medical, financial, and educational disparities among Black and Brown people. To become aware would mean to really look at your company and other companies and organizations and to ask, why are there more white people in positions of power and not Black and Brown folks? To become aware would mean that we would have to uncover what parts of our systems keep us all locked and bound in a system of racism. And then once we are aware, we move into action in order to bring about freedom. Freedom that exists for everyone and not just for some folks. Freedom that says racial equity is the norm and disparities are non-existence. So Juneteenth should be about more than just a celebration of the experience of Black people. Yes, I want to celebrate Black people and Black culture because it's worthy of celebration. But all too often we see it as an opportunity to make money, as an opportunity to feast off of someone else's oppression. It should be more than about slapping a Juneteenth flag on ice cream, or doing a social media post to say that you're celebrating Black culture, because to celebrate is to want my freedom. To celebrate is to want for me the privileges that exist for some folks, white folks in particular. And so I want you when you're celebrating Juneteenth and when you're celebrating the best of who I am, I want you to think about how will you become more aware of the things that separate us? What will you do differently as you're going out and you're honoring this day? I applaud you for trying to learn more about the Black culture. I applaud those people who, for instance, on Sunday will celebrate in their church, Juneteenth, who will do something to talk about what Juneteenth means. But I want it to be more than performative for you. I want you, when you're celebrating in your companies, to find out those things that keep your Black and Brown employees in bondage, to think about what their day-to-day -day life is about, to think about how they can feel free in your company, to think about how racism impacts you. Because if you can't do that, you're not really celebrating Juneteenth. You're making a mockery of what Juneteenth means. So think clearly about the ways in which you can become more aware about what takes place in your home, in your community, in your organization, in your church. Think about what you're doing when you say that you want to celebrate Juneteenth, become aware and then move into action to end systemic racism. So I invite you as you celebrate Juneteenth, I want you to think about how you can dig deeper and ask yourself this question. What do I need to know that I don't already know that will help me to dismantle racism. Then, and only then, can you celebrate the freedom of Black people in this country. Today on our show, we're going to be talking about how do we meet greatness halfway? 
We all enter the world with an abundance of power to achieve greatness. It may be packaged differently for each of us because we come with a unique gift. We're all gifted with something special about us. Greatness is always seeking us, but it's a matter of whether we want to meet greatness halfway. Do we want to put up blockers so that we don't live to our fullest potential? The path will have some obstacles to it, but we are fully capable of breaking down and navigating any barriers that exist in order to get to our fullest potential. So I'm delighted today that my guest, Francis Pitt, will help us to unpack the behaviors that create those barriers and will help us to begin to look at what is it that we're born with? What are those gifts and those principles that we can carry forward that will help us to live out our greatness? Because when we live out our greatness, remember I said our sacred intelligence is about making choices that will help us to manifest our greatness. It will also help us to manifest the greatness in others or for them to manifest their own greatness. And if we are manifesting greatness all around, racism cannot exist. And so these principles can be put into place in order for us to dismantle racism. You're listening to this show today because that's what you want to do. And so Francis will help us and will guide us through the principles that she uses to work towards greatness. And we're going to apply those principles to dismantling racism. So who is Francis Pitt? She's an entrepreneur. She's a professor. She's a hypnotherapist. She's a mosaic diversity trainer. And she's also a religious science practitioner. And so when we return from our break, we are going to hear from Francis Pitt about all of these things. But Francis, welcome to the show. So I'm delighted for you to be here. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
Francis. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here and to hear all about the work that you do towards helping others to manifest their greatness. So talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, this, this idea that we're all born with these attributes that uh, lead to greatness. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, You're right. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. Now, these attributes, I use them in seminars that I produce. And we say that everybody comes to the earth with these attributes of God, of, of higher power, creative intelligence, whatever name you choose to say, but we come on this earth with them. And to the degree that we are aware that they are found within us, and to the degree that we use them is to the, to the degree that it will show up in our lives. In our careers, in our friendships, our relationships, our income, everything we touch. So it's there. Mm -hmm. And a good example of what we would say those attributes are, and we see it all the time. One would be your willpower, your strength, understanding, your faith, your love, your joy. And those type of things that really can be used as a tool in your career to really make life work. Mm-hmm. So they are there. Mm-hmm. But to the degree that we discover them, uh, reflect on them, and use them is actually what will show up in our lives as we speak today. So I love this, right? Because from what you're saying is we're all born with it. That, that these attributes of God, per se, are in all of us. Is that what I'm understanding you to say? Yes, I am. Okay. So here's what I love about this. Because as a pastor, I get this question all the time. When I <laughs> say to people, I believe that God is manifested in all of us. And that when we look at one another, that we are looking at the manifestation of God. And so often my parishioners and those people that, that I, I, I teach will sometimes say, I don't, I, I don't understand that, Pastor. I do not understand that. When I look at X, Y, and Z, I do not see God in them. And I say to them, God is there. <laughs> They've forgotten it. They don't recognize it. Somewhere they're not seeing the God in them. And if they do, they're using it in a way that's not God like. And so I love what you just said to the extent that they are aware of it and to the extent that they use it. Correct. Right. Powerful. Powerful. And and when we look, there's a note that I always like to say, who we have become can be traced back to our thoughts. The thoughts that we hold as we believe what's possible for us in our careers and activities and families. So when I talk about you have these gifts, how do you use them is the first thing I want to say. Mm. And and there's five steps that I like to say. Mm -hmm. They show up in our thoughts. What thoughts do you carry around? What do you hold on to? What thoughts do you uh, contemplate about? The thoughts, because we know thoughts do become things, correct? Right, right. That's one principle we can observe how we're using those tools that God gave us. Uh, Step number two, words. What words do we consistently use in our conversations? Because what you consistently speak, you will create and you will receive it. Mm-hmm. So words are uplifting, empowerment, or words that are not empowering, number two. Number three, we look at actions, right actions, we call them. What are the actions that we're doing daily to change the world, to change our lives, or to change people that are coming in contact with us? Mm-hmm. What are our actions? Daily, are we moving toward a goal or standing still? 
I heard a speaker say just yesterday that 90% of our thoughts, we had them the year before. So how much are we changing each year? Going in, going out, and just manifesting or recreating the same thing over and over. Mm. I love that thought because I had never thought about it that way. And then number four as a tool would be your reactions to life. Mm. Who you really are will show up in terms of how do you deal with failure, a seeming failure, I like to say, because there are no such thing as failure. It's just a step along the way to get you to where you're going. But reactions. So we need right reactions. We need actions, right action. And most importantly to me of the five would be right feelings. Mm. You know, you don't have to speak. A person can basically look at you and form an opinion about how you're feeling at that moment, right? Right. And energetically, we can feel that, right? That's right. And then also right feeling. There's a feeling that you carry around in your daily activities. Like I'm on course, I'm doing what I need to be doing. I'm happy, I'm asking for help. I'm just out there, but I'm always moving toward my goals. Mm -hmm. So we call them right words, right thoughts, right actions, right reactions, and right feeling tools to help us accomplish our goals here on earth. You know, when you were talking and you're talking about all of these, these, these five principles, one of the things I thought about was then how do we get people to uncover these things? And for me, as a, as a cognitive behaviorist psychologist, right? One of the things I often talk about is monitoring our thoughts, our feelings, our behaviors, and our reactions. In fact, in, in my most recent book, I talk about monitoring our mindset. We have to know what it is that we think. Uh -huh. We have to know what it is that we feel. So what are some ways in which you help people to uncover their thoughts, their feelings, their, their reactions, and their reactions. You know, what stands out most for me is basically uh, the process to meditation. Mm -hmm. That is a tool that one can use to uncover. Because as you are sitting in your quietness, you have the opportunity to watch those thoughts float by, mm -hmm. which, are, which are the thoughts for your life. So who's sitting in the theater watching those thoughts? Mm. Who's managing those thoughts? So in a time of quietness, you get a chance to watch them and work on the ones that you want to uh, improve upon. Mm -hmm. Some research say we have from 60 to 75,000 thoughts daily that flirt in and out of our lives. You can't control that. You can't stop that. However, you can control the ones that you spend your time on, the mm. ones that you react to, mm. the ones that you want to change, the ones that you want to modify to create the things that you want in your life. Oh, so you, you just said a lot there. So, so, so one thing you said was around the meditation. And then the other thing is you said that we have the power to change. So I want to address how do we change our thoughts, but... Mm -hmm. But before I do that, talk to us about the meditation practice because you say to sit in meditation. So should the meditation be a daily routine that we practice? Um, you know, how often should people engage in that? Uh, I would say as often as needed, but a daily process is excellent. Consistency. It can be as short or as long as you choose. Some people do 15 minutes, some do 30, some do an hour, some do it twice a day. Or I always say whenever an issue comes up, I need to handle, I go into quietness to see how to come through that particular process. Yeah. But for sure, the consistency, the discipline of doing it two or three times or once a day, will automatically, automatically clear out some of the fog in your mind. Mm. It gives you clarity. It gives you like the soul or the heart of the person. Peace comes as a result. 
and you just tend to relax the body more. Most of the time, we don't even know we're tense. We can be sitting and our shoulders are up and we don't even know it. But if someone in meditation said, drop your shoulders, you can feel it going down and you can feel the body, you know, relaxing. And for sure, I have learned through meditation, the moment you relax is the moment that answers and clarity can come to you and through you. Yes. But if you are tense, like my fists are folded here, nothing can get in and nothing can come out. So we're not helping ourselves, mm -hmm. but the body is relaxed. When the body is relaxed, uh, I believe things can happen through us, for us, as us. Mm -hmm. And that's my personal belief. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love that of what you're saying though, because it's really about an awareness, just as I said at the beginning of, of the show. So that when you're in meditation, you become more mindful of right. your feelings, how the body is feeling, and mindful of your thoughts. And what I appreciate about meditation and what you just said is allowing the thoughts to float by. Because be, because we have thoughts from years ago that creep mm. up, and probably thoughts from past lives that it away <laughs> as well. But what you're saying is become aware, become aware of what's happening, and then that might lead to to the change right and so you said we have the power to change our thoughts right tell us more about that okay so uh what i basically do is what we call affirmations or declarations like in my program some of the things that we actually do is daily declarations you know like i am worthy i am enough I am gifted. I have the answer. I can handle this. You know, and if you say those things over and over so many times a day, the body responds and the mind responds and you actually start to feel that and you believe it. And then uh, other things we do with declarations and uh, affirmations is you're seeing it as if it already is. You're claiming it before it happens and you're walking in the energy of as it, as if it already is. And I think that's so important because, you know, you can put your mind on A and there may be an issue, but you can okay switch that mind to B and see something else, see what you want, see how to produce it, see how to create it. But it's always about choice. Am I concentrating on A, the problem, or am I choosing B to look at options or various ways to handle it? Do not get caught up in the problem or the seeming problem. Switch those thoughts just like we switch the stations on a TV or radio. You fine tune it. You get what you're looking for as you turn that radio knob and when you get to the music that you like you know you're there oh. and that's how you concentrate switch from the problem go to a situation that you can control to get the mind and the body all aligned to receive the assistance that you're asking for oh. you gotta always ask for help that can be from individuals that we bump into or people that are part of our team Mm -hmm. They can always help. Mm -hmm. And you know what I love about this idea or around the part of a team is because the team begins when you sit in that meditation and understand that mm -hmm. a part of that team is your divine wisdom. Because a lot comes forward in that meditation. Even as you're letting your mind clear, all of a sudden you could have an epiphany about something. Well, friends, yes. I want to talk with you a little bit more around these principles and and switching to another channel to different music switching to the solution because i want to talk about how your principles actually apply to the ways in which you've lived your life and also about how we can use it to dismantle racism but we have to take a quick break and okay. then we'll come back we'll continue our conversation this is the dismantle racism show I'm your host, Reverend Dr. PLC. We'll be right back. Howdy. Hey, Joseph. 
Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back with the Dismantle Racism Show. My guest today is Francis Pitt, and we have been talking about the idea that all of us are born with what it takes to become great in life, but some of us are aware of what it takes and aware of these attributes, and some of us choose to use them when we're aware, and some of us choose not to. But Francis, I want to talk uh, a bit, you know, as you were talking about these attributes and then you gave the five principles that you use in Mm -hmm. your life around our thoughts and feelings and our reactions and the right reactions. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about your upbringing, because I know that you grew up on your, your parents' tobacco and cotton farm. Um, in the South. And, and, and I want to just start by saying that was huge for a Black person to have a tobacco and cotton farm, you know, uh, back in the day, because we know that a lot of people did not own their own land. A lot of Black folks did not own their own land. And so I think it's really important that we point out that you all were landowners, Because Mm -hmm. I think that while you have these principles in place, they were already being shaped and formed probably by your parents and your ancestors in order for you to be even in that position Hmm. for your family owned. Because see, I think we have to go back to our ancestors. Hmm. And you and I had the conversation, like my family was, we were uh, landowners. And I took it for granted because most people in my community black people were landowners i didn't Mm -hmm. realize until i got to be an adult like wait a minute this is unusual Hmm. and so talk to me a bit about your experience of of growing up and uh, your family being landowners and how you've used it to move forward to where you're now speaking in conferences such as like in london england Hmm. oh i would love to share that um, my family, the Pitt Farm, has been in our that farm has been in our family since 1868. So we're talking three years after slavery had been abolished. So that gives us pride. Uh, and then we had ancestors that continued to purchase land as the time went on. 1868 was the purchase. Then another farm was purchased, I think, in 24, another one in 34, and 40-something. 
but it ended up being quite a number of acreage, acreages, I should say. And and I know over the years, my family ancestors they had to have they have fought to keep it <clears throat> in the family because so many people have lost their land due to taxes and other things that could take it away. <clears throat> but I re remember one of my favorite aunts who passed on. Uh, not only did my our grandfather buy land, but he gave land to his each child. And she was on a, a, a area where in a little town, but it was a popular area, a lot of traffic and whatnot. And she said every Friday, some white person was calling her, do you want to sell? When do you want to sell? How much can I offer? So it was always people trying to get it. And I remember uh, barely my father saying that someone asked him about purchasing the land and he's on the second farm. And said, the man said to him, I would like, Eddie, I would like to purchase your land. I want this for my grandson. Hmm. And my father used a profanity <laughs> and said to him, why the hell you think I don't want to leave it for my grandson? Exactly. So amazing, you know, the things that we have learned, the stories. I have a sister who's 80 who gives us a lot of history and stories about went on. Uh, and the last story is, uh, you know, how in the country we have all these little neighbor stores, corner stores. Mm -hmm. And uh, my sister said my father was in this store, corner store, and the owner said to him, well, you know, Eddie, I just got married. So now you have to call me Mr. Elmo. <laughs> it's funny when I hear it. And so my father said, well, are you going to call me Mr. Eddie? Mm -hmm. And the man said, hey, no. And my dad said, well, hell no, I'm not calling you, mister. <laughs> and they said my father never returned to that store. But it just kind of gives you the flavor of how life was in the day. Um, well, and I think it, it gives us the flavor, but it also gives us the boldness of mm -hmm. our ancestors to say, no, I want some, the same thing you want for your people You're right me. i want for me and i'm going to stand up and say no i'm not calling you mister and i and i think that that's important because in this role of dismantling racism it's important that we stand up it's important for each of us to do what we can when we can now look i understand that your father uh even owning the land and standing up came with a danger but I think that that's also something people have to understand as well. We get to choose what we're going to sacrifice and what we're willing to fight for. And in a and he was fighting for his dignity and fighting for his land. And I think that that is important. I also want to just point out the ways in which we have been kept bound is because all too often uh, white people have gotten our land. White people have said, here, I'm going to offer you this amount of money. And they dangled mm -hmm. that money in our faces. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate it. But I want you to continue uh, with what you're saying about how you've used your principles as well. Well, and I think it start with our ancestors as well. For example, uh, we all worked on the farm until we were 18, but it was expected that everybody in that household would go to college. Uh, my parents, it was 10 of them, my father and nine siblings. So five went to college and five did not. My father was what we call a diversity farmer. He was just very good at that. So consider 1868 with whatever crops they grew at that time. When I came along, it was like cotton, tobacco, peanuts, soybeans, corn, strawberry, cucumbers, and I was kind of the, uh, the one closest to the end, the younger one. So I didn't do that much, and everybody knew I didn't do that much because I didn't want to. <laughs> so, uh, but we had that tobacco and cotton and things like that up until it was no longer profitable to do tobacco and cotton. And we switched over, I think like in 2008, to growing prawns, P-R-A-W-N-S, another name for fresh water shrimps. Mm -hmm. And we have been embarking on that type of, uh, uh, how should I say, 
learning a new way to survive on a farm. You have to change just like everybody else does. And that's a big one with us right now. Also prawns and also uh, growing year-round vegetables in the high tunnels and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, so my family was proud people. They owned their land and they taught and valued education. So that was passed down from generation to generations. Mm. And, and that's where I get my uh, belief in knowing your history is so important uh, and knowing uh, what you bring to the world and knowing that life can be exactly like you want it if you're willing to pay the price. Hmm. Now, for me, I attended a uh, historical black university, worked for the Dean of Women, I think for at least maybe two, three years, and um, thought she had fired me because on a Monday morning, no students were there. I was running a lab, statistic lab. So I laid my head down to get a rest, and obviously <laughs> I fell asleep. And she walked in and caught me. And this was a no-nonsense dean. So she walked out. She just said to me, "Uh, did we not hire you to run this lab? And I said, yes, ma'am. And I said, but you can see there are no students here. And she said, how would you know you're sleeping? (laughs) So she goes out and comes back with three graduate catalogs. And she says, fill it out and get it to me right away. Did what she told me two to three months later, I was in Milwaukee at a UW graduate school. Mm-hmm. So you, to me, that's another example of the greatness you are seeking is also seeking you. Yes. Started with the ancestors passing the history down to value life and education. Uh, going on to the university, North Carolina Central University and bumping into this Dean who sent me out here and I didn't know a soul. But the universe provides exactly what you need. And so, then you have to step up. And, and then I step path. into that space. Right. right. And I got to beat it. I got to beat it. I got to be prepared. I got to do what's required of me. But those are unseen things that we could not have seen in your younger years. Mm-hmm. I have a goal to be something great. The universe provides a person like the dean of sociology, a favorite history teacher, someone who coaches you and encourages you to be your better self. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. When you're seeking, something is also seeking you, but you have to do your part. I love that. And and it goes back to your principles that you were talking about, your thoughts, Mm -hmm. your behaviors. And, Mm -hmm. you know, your right reactions, because you could have said, I'm not filling this out. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But because of your ancestors and their history, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you honored what she said, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to be back uh, because we have to take another quick break. And when we come back, I want us to just in our final few minutes to talk about you, you've told us about how you've applied the principles to your life. I'd love to hear how we can apply these principles to dismantling racism when we come back. So we're going to take a quick break. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! 
On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We have been talking today with my guest, Francis Pitt, and we have uh, been talking about the principles that Francis used in her business to help other individuals to uh, bring about their greatness. So Francis, in our last few minutes together, um, I'd love for you to talk about how can individuals or spiritual groups use the principles that you have to dismantle racism thank you for that question because i really have a good example i would like to share with you in the early 70s when i uh, came to milwaukee and had finished graduate school i worked at a huge corporation which was it was an insurance company i was a financial planner i at that time it was number five in the united states uh, in my region, it was 79 white males, one Jewish woman, and myself. So on the first day of my employment there, a white gentleman came into my office. He was the number one salesperson, uh, making over 300000 a year, uh, knew who and what his goals were. And he said to me, Francis, and I would like to call his name because he made a difference in my life. His name was John Mooney. He said, Francis, uh, welcome to this company. And if you have any issues or unfair treatment, I am just down the corner here. My office is around the corner to the left. If you have any issues, come to me and I will work with you to solve those. This man goes on to be my mentor. He goes on to be my coach. He goes with me to appointments. So he's putting his words into action. So, and then uh, secondly, he said to me, you know, I live in a neighborhood where the children and most of the people never come in contact with black people. Yeah. Most of the children have not even seen a live black person. He said, I would like to bring my Sunday school to your church one Sunday. Let's uh, establish a date and do that, which we did. And he was definitely a man of his word. So he came to our church and I expected maybe five, 10, 15 kids and him to show up. When we opened the door to uh, let them in, it was about 40 or 50 people from his church in a little place called Hills Corner, Wisconsin. Wow. And they walked and they walked and they walked and then in to take their seats. But everybody was amazed that so many of them came. And then after war, we had fellowship where they got a, the children got a chance to talk to other kids, black kids, and the parents talked. And it was a very good experience. So what I say for people in large corporations, this man was well-liked. Uh, he was a man of honor. So when you have people who step forward and say, I'm willing to do this to make sure your job evolves the way you think it should, then you are actually doing the part where we say right words. It started with his thoughts. He had to think about it before he chose to come and announce himself announced himself to me. And then his conversation was, I am here to help. Whatever you need, I'm here to be that person for you. And then for uh, feelings, he did not have to do a lot of talking, but I knew 
If something happened, I could depend on him to be a resource. So he was being an example for the other 78 white males mm -hmm. in that organization of how white and black could work together mm -hmm. and how a white person could help a sister out on her first day on the job. Right. So I see him doing every one of those steps. He had the right thoughts. He had the right words. He had the right action, reaction, and feelings. When people was in his presence, you could feel the energy of a person who wanted to make right wrongs that exist in the world. A person who was willing to step up and say, I can afford to do this and I will be the example. So he wanted life to be good for himself and for others, which is a key part. Go ahead. Were, were there other examples of where maybe he stood up when there was an inequity that uh, was taking place? I can remember going to a place where the group was deciding to go to lunch. And at that time, women and black women could not go into this place for lunch or anything, really. Mm -hmm. And he, I remember him saying, well, if Francis cannot go, I'm not going. Let's find a place and support a place where everybody mm -hmm. is welcome. Mm -hmm. So it, it would show up when it was, when it was needed to show up. You know, mm -hmm. he wasn't like standing in his office saying, I'm the best salesperson. I'm this, I'm that. He was out there daily living the life to change how Milwaukee was being at that particular time. And you know what? And that, so here's what's happening in that, in that scenario. It's bringing him to greatness. It's bringing other people to greatness, but it's also showing that one person can make a difference. It takes, really, if we're going to dismantle racism, we need white people to step it up, right? Mm -hmm, right. We need white people as allies and we need white people to say, this is wrong, but, well, not a but, and. Okay. We also need leaders, people who are leaders in these organizations, because it flows down really from the yes. top, it flows down from the people who are well-liked. And what I want my listeners to know is that in some ways, we're all leaders, whether you are the top person or not, you still can be a leader and you are a leader, but we do need those top mm -hmm. CEOs and owners to say, we are going to lead this organization in right actions and right reactions because we know that people can react to uh, the, the conversation around racism by throwing money at it or saying we're going to promote someone uh, of color to certain positions, but then not give them the power that they need to do the work that they need and so I love this idea of right reactions. Um, I want to just ask you, Francis, because you know we're nearing uh, the end of our show here. Um, are there any other things that you would like to share with our audience before we have to end that we haven't covered already? Well, my seminar is entitled The Greatness You Are Seeking is Also Seeking You. And a good example of that uh, was my first business that I owned, which was an outpatient mental health clinic. Uh, very young at that time, uh, 26, 27 years old, but the entrepreneur spirit just runs in our family. And I came across a minister who spoke at a community meeting and I said, let me follow him to his church that following Sunday to see if he talks the same way in his church. Mm -hmm. And of course he did. He was an advocate and he was a, an alderman in uh, Milwaukee. But when we opened the clinic, we needed a psychiatrist. We needed a psychologist. We needed all MSW social workers. He reached out to a psychiatrist, believe it or not, a Christian psychiatrist, a white man. And this, and we met with him. And he said, young lady, you all are so young. And I don't really know what you are about to do, but I want you to know I support you. And I will provide the 20 hours of psychiatric psychiatry work per month. He also found and located the psychologist that would do the 20 hours per month. Mm -hmm. 
referred us to MSW degreed individuals to work on our staff. Now these are two white males in great positions, but chose to have a black agency. It was me and another partner. So I do believe that when we were reaching out to uh, create that clinic, we didn't know where we would find that psychiatrist. We didn't know where the psychologist would come from. But that's the part where the universe sends you what you need in the process of creating your dream. And we worked together for over 10 years in that capacity in them serving us those number of hours that was required per month to run that clinic. So the the lesson also in what you just said is this as well, that even though we as people of color face racism, mm-hmm. um, what we also have to realize is that God, the universe, universe source provides for us as well. And that there are hands out there that are reaching towards us and right. we have to reach back. So that's another lesson in this as well, that just because we're born into a systemic, uh, to a society where systemic racism exists, it does not mean that we cannot flourish. And so I want our listeners out there to know that and to be aware of it. We have barriers for sure, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we can overcome those. Francis, it's been a delight to have you on Thank you. our show today. Uh, tell us really quickly how our audience can get in touch with you. Oh, thank you. My website is FrancisPittSpeaks.com, and that's F-R-A-N-C-E-S. Uh, and my email is FrancisPittSpeaks at gmail.com. I got that in, too. You did, you did get that in, and, and, and hopefully you won't get inundated with, with uh, uh, emails here. So I do want to thank you for being on the show today. I want to thank The listeners, I appreciate you coming and I hope that you've learned information today that you will take in, uh, well, you learned it. I hope you will use the information that you got today because certainly Francis gave us some valuable information. (laughs) You will use it to dismantle racism. And so at this moment, I invite you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that secret part of you that allows you to make choices that manifest the good in you and those around you. Know that we are all one and we exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. 
Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.